When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The United States has just reached a grim milestone. 200,000 deaths as a result of the novel coronavirus. That is a sobering and staggering number of lives lost. More than the number of Americans who died in the country's most recent five wars, combined. As we head into the fall and winter seasons, some experts are now fearing another surge of this virus and the deaths that might come as a result. Today, I check in with Dr. Anthony Fauci to discuss where the country is now and what we can do to prevent even more lives from being lost. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Since the beginning, Dr. Anthony Fauci has been guiding us all through this pandemic in his role as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. On the very day the United States surpassed 200,000 deaths from the virus, I spoke with him about the science and the strategy to get through these next few critical months. The idea of 200,000 deaths is really very sobering and in some respects stunning. We do have within our capability, even before we get a vaccine, which we will get reasonably soon, we have the capability by doing things that we've been speaking about for so long, Sanjay, that could prevent the transmission and by preventing transmission, ultimately preventing the morbidity and mortality that we see. And I'm talking about the universal wearing of masks, the attention to keeping distance, the avoiding of crowds, frequent washing of hands. They sound so simple, Sanjay. We've said them so many times, but they're not universally implemented and employed. And that, to me, is really something that is serious because As we all know, we're looking straight at the fall coming upon us. We're looking Mm -hmm. at the winter coming upon us. If we don't get that baseline down sharply to a very low level, and the reason we need it there is because when you have a very low baseline and you start to get the uh, blips, as I call them, you don't want them to turn into surges or rebounds. And when you have a lot of cases floating around, it's much more difficult to contain that than if you have a relatively low number so that when those cases appear, you can contain as opposed to having to jump over to mitigation. How worried are you right now about this fall? I mean, how, how, how bad do you think this could get? What worries me is that if you don't have the control now, as we get towards the end of September, of getting such a low percentage that it is entirely manageable, When things change that work against you, and what works against you now is the fact that we're getting into a weather season where people will be spending more time indoors. And depending upon your own social situation, indoors for you or another person may mean poor ventilation, poor airflow, and difficulty getting the kind of 
removal of anything that would lead to spread. You know, you talk about particles, you talk about air, singing, coughing, sneezing, all those types of things. Those are the things that I get concerned about as we get into October and November and December. The fact is we know we could get into serious trouble if we don't do certain things. And I hope that that understanding is not going to frighten people, but will jolt them into realizing that it is within our hands to prevent that. People who are worried about this but aren't sure who to trust or what information to believe, just for the average person, they say, I, I don't have a political stake. I just want to trust the knowledge that I'm getting. Where do they get it? The fact is you've got to go with the scientific data. One of the things that the public needs to understand is that this is an evolving situation. It's appropriate to make changes and recommendations based on the additional knowledge that you know. A classic example of that, Sanjay, that you know very well, is that back then we were not aware that 40 to 45% of people were asymptomatic, nor were we aware that a substantial proportion of people who get infected, get infected from people who are without symptoms. That makes it overwhelmingly important for everyone to wear a mask. So when people say, well, why did you change your, your stance and why are you emphasizing masks so much now when back then you didn't? And in fact, you even said you shouldn't because there was a shortage of masks. Well, the data now are very, very clear. And that's why we have to act on the data. So we need to put that nonsense behind us about, well, they keep changing their minds. Masks work. Physical distancing works. Avoiding crowds work. That is the fact. You know, I do want to ask about this idea of, of how the virus is transmitted. You know, people learn that uh, someone coughs or sneezes. That's how we typically think of the virus being transmitted. It's these respiratory droplets, but they're kind of heavy. They may fall to ground or onto some surface. Can't really jump more than six feet or so. But now there's this, this conversation, I think a significant and important one, Dr. Fauci, around aerosols. This idea that the virus itself, because it is so tiny, uh, the genetic material of the virus could sort of stay suspended in air could linger for a long time and could travel much further than six feet, especially in indoor, poorly ventilated places. The CDC seemed to agree on Friday and then they took it down off their website. What's the truth? Can, can this virus travel and, and infect people via an aerosol, kind of like smoke in the air might travel? Sanjay, the evidence I've seen and the conversations I've had for people who understand aerosol particle physics more than I do, say that there's no doubt that what you talk about of various size particles, that they can stay in the air. Now, the question is, what is the extent? And we don't know. And here's where you've got to be humble enough and honest enough that we don't know the extent to which the aerosol component is contributing to transmission. You can make a reasonable assumption, Sanjay, that some aspect of transmission can be and is by aerosol. The interesting thing about that, it doesn't change anything that we've been saying. It means wear your mask. It means avoid close contact. It means avoid crowd. And it means what we've been saying is that outdoors is better than indoors. Because if you have aerosol indoor, you can have some recirculation. 
And there have been some case reports in the literature of situations, for example, in restaurants where it looks like it almost had to be an aerosol spread. Whether or not that's 3%, 5%, 10% of the spread, we don't know. But in some respects, Sanjay, it doesn't matter. So rather than bending ourselves out of shape, trying to figure out what percentage it is or is not, or how well it's proven, make an assumption that some component of it is aerosol and act accordingly, which means do what we've been telling you to do all along. So schools, Dr. Fauci, uh, kids, my kids, uh, you know, as you know, we've talked about this, uh, started the year learning virtually. But restaurants, bars, places that are indoors where you have to take off your mask, presumably to eat or drink, if the aerosol sort of mode of transmission is, is possible and even likely, is it reasonable at all that those types of places should be open right now? How could you possibly keep people safe if this could be transmitted through yeah. the air the way that you just described? You know, Sanjay, it gets back to what I've said multiple times before, and that is it really depends upon the level of virus in the community that you're in. And that's where I think we get a lot of pushback and concern of people think that our recommendations are being too stringent and we're interfering with people's freedom to do what they want to do or getting in the way of opening up the economy. That's not the case at all. You've got to adjust your public health measures in the context of the situation you're in. When we were talking about how to open the economy, which we all want to do, you can do that through the implementation of good public health measures. Public health measures don't need to be the obstacle to opening the economy, as I've said so often, they should be the gateway and the roadway to get to opening the economy. If we do that carefully and abide by it in a universal way, where everybody does that, not only would you prevent these surges, but the place where you have levels, you could bring them down by doing that. You know, Sanjay, that's not rocket science. It's pretty clear. But we've got to do it together. We've got to be in this together. When you have weak links in the chain and some components of society are not doing it, it just makes it very difficult for the rest. So if we want to enter the fall and the winter at a really low level, we've got to start acting now to do the things that we've all been saying. A lot of people sort of banking on the vaccine, it seems, Dr. Fauci. I mean, you know, we don't really need to do these, these public health measures. The vaccine is coming. You know, I've, I've done a lot of reporting on this, and you've been kind enough to give me some of your time to talk about this. What strikes me is that we, we just don't know at all in terms of what the data is showing. And frankly, we shouldn't know because it's a blinded study. So the data really is blinded except this for this independent review body. I mean, how, how are people making all these projections about the calendar? It's going right. to come out by April right. or by, you know, we don't even know what the data shows yet. A am I wrong? No, you are perfectly correct, Sanjay. And I think people can have projections of what they think might happen. No one knows. The system is a double-blind, placebo-controlled system, which means that there's an independent data and safety monitoring board that has nothing to do with politics or politicians, that has nothing to do essentially with the company or the FDA or the people who are doing the trial. It's an independent group. 
that in predetermined times looks at the data. But today, Sanjay, nobody knows what those data are because no one has looked at them. Having said that, I have said that I'm cautiously optimistic from what I have seen of the preliminary studies that we did know, namely the small number that were in the phase one and the phase two trial, that I'm cautiously optimistic that we will have a positive effect. Now, I don't know when we're going to be able to say that. My projection is that it likely would be November and December. It is conceivable that it could be October. I mean, there's no doubt that that could happen. I think more likely it would be November and December. And then at that point, if one or more vaccines reaches that critical point, then the FDA will make their decision and then we could start rolling out the vaccines. Because right now, the thing that people need to understand is that even though we don't know what works and what doesn't work, the vaccines are being produced to be ready to administer if we get a good signal that it works. I always tell people, young or old, you don't want this disease because sometimes there is this perception, I'll just get it, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it, and then I'll be good to go, especially if I'm a young person. Uh, you don't want this disease. I mean, you know, people, you know, you heard even the president saying it's just elderly people with heart disease that get this. By the way, my father is in his late 70s and has heart disease, and I, it always hurts me when people say, well, just the elderly with heart disease get this, because I, I, I find it disrespectful, frankly. But it's not just them as well. Right, Dr. Fauci? No, it's not. Well, two answers to your question. You know, it's very disrespectful to me because I'm in my 70s. I'm like your father. I, I could be your father, Sanjay. But it isn't just the elderly and those with underlying conditions because there, it can be serious in young people. Quantitatively, for sure, it's much, much, much less serious as a group in young individuals. But the thing we need to remember, Sanjay, that there are a number of people in our society, a substantial proportion, who have underlying conditions. And if you look at the two groups that are at risk for serious conditions, is the elderly and people at any age with underlying conditions. Right. Underlining right. any age. So if you're a younger person, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and you have diabetes, obesity, hypertension, heart disease, you are in the risk category for a serious disease. And if you look at the number of Americans, and it's stunning, who have these underlying conditions, such as obesity, you know, there are, you know, somewhat 25, 30% of the population right. can fall into that. Those people who have other underlying conditions are a substantial proportion of the population. So, don't just think the elderly are the problem. Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for your uh, guidance through all this. We really appreciate your time and uh, hope to speak to you soon. Thank you, sir. Same here, Sanjay. Thank you for having me. These next few months could be the most critical of all in this pandemic, as the weather gets colder and more people are forced indoors. It is important to remember that even though we are still learning new information about this virus, there are some things we know for certain. We know that distancing and wearing masks work, that gathering outdoors is safer, and that we should try and ventilate our indoor spaces as much as possible. Like Dr. Fauci said, it's not rocket science. It's not even that hard. 
the only way to reduce the number of cases and prevent a surge during the months ahead is if we all do the things right now to protect one another. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.